From 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. It's Friday. We made it. The week went by, actually, pretty quickly, I have to say. And we did end on a high note. It was a good end to the week. We had a beautiful dinner, chatted with college roommate, talked to some more friends. But this was a sobering week. Yeah, I, I think in part the week went really quickly because we've been racing for the weekend, right? The issue with that is the weekend doesn't bring anything good, right? I mean, it'll be nice to not have to work, but what I'm this was the week where it really got real for me, right? The number of people who have died is so high and it's so sad. And this is the week where And and you I mean even like maybe our listeners can't hear, but there are sirens in the background, probably can hear because of the terrible audio quality that we have here, but, you know, sirens constantly were three blocks away from a hospital. And, it, and, and not only that, but also this is the week where a bunch of my friends got furloughed or laid off. This is the week where family members have been furloughed and laid off. And then on top of that, you have the just... The horrifying reality that people are dying at a rate New York City has never seen before. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw it today. You know, as of yesterday, I think about 1,500 people in New York had died. And then by today, that number was, was close to 3,000, um, which mean, is extraordinary. I, I think I was... I did not realize how few people die in New York City every day on an average day. It's not that many people. New York City is a city of millions upon millions of people. And to me, I thought, okay, three, four, five hundred people dying was horrifying, but can't be that different from everyday life in New York City. But in New York City, on average, 150 people die every year. Really? Every day, every day. So all of a sudden you have numbers that are so much higher, which explains why we don't have the capacity and why mortuaries are backing up, why crematoriums are backing up. And it's just, I cannot imagine how hard it must be to not only lose a loved one, but also to not be able to have people at your funeral, to not necessarily be able to bury someone that it's, it's, it's just incredibly hard and my heart goes out to all the people who are struggling and dealing with this right now. Yeah, and I think what's hard too is it doesn't feel like there's really anything that we can do. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I think we can do is that to acknowledge that this is incredibly hard for everybody. And that trying to bring a little bit of something that's not necessarily positive, but hearing another voice that's not just the news. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to say, we're here, 
we care, we're listening, your experience is not unique in terms of the doom and gloom, but it is unique in terms of what you can do with that. So I think that by doing, not to self-aggrandize, but we are doing what we can, right? I hope that when people listen to this podcast, they feel a little bit less alone in this, in this really, really hard time. Yeah, very small thing from us. There is someone, though, who is doing a lot, and that's my cousin, who is a nurse in Colorado, who we actually spoke to earlier today, but I think now is a good point to, uh, to play our interview with Annie. So here's our conversation with Annie, my cousin, and an incredibly brave nurse from earlier today. Hey, Annie, how are you? Hey, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, or well, I, I guess as good as anyone can be, uh, <laughs> can be these days. Um, but welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Coronapod, I'm Adam, nice to meet you. Oh, thanks, hi. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on. So, we're really excited to talk to you, um, and imagine it's been a hard few weeks. Can you can you maybe just tell us a little bit about your day-to-day job, what what you do and how it's changed in the past few weeks? Um yeah, I'm a nurse. I work on a cardiac progressive care unit, which is a step down ICU. Mostly we take care of cardiac patients, um heart surgery, heart failure, heart attacks. Um, in the last couple of weeks, they canceled all of our elective procedures, trying to prepare for the flux of COVID patients. So we're able to convert a lot of rooms into COVID is supposed to be treated with airborne isolation, which has to be a negative pressure room, which is basically to say that the air doesn't recirculate through the hospital that the patient is breathing. Um, so they, they took the time to... My 12-bed unit is now fully airborne isolated. Um, we sleep with the cardiac ICU right next door. And um, it's just been a lot of changes. You know, normally we're... On a regular day, we're constantly at capacity in my hospital. I work in northern Colorado, and it's like, uh, I think our, our hospital has like 180 beds, and on a regular day, we're always full. Um, in these last two weeks, our census has gone down because we canceled everything, and now it's starting to pick up, and we've gotten to the point where we're double IC beds, and starting to take IC patients on my floor, which is that step down unit. So, a lot of changes. And so, have you started to see a lot of COVID patients? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> when I left work last night, we had seven COVID patients on my floor. 
in the ICU, which has 12 beds, but now we're doubling those beds. I think that they had like 14 COVIDs and they're all intubated. So, so we're definitely starting to see a lot of patients. They're they're all intubated, meaning they're all on on ventilators. So they're all very very sick. Yeah, um, a couple of the patients on my floor are not intubated. Um, they're what they started to do was intubate very early. Typically, you don't intubate a person unless they're a not protecting their airway, or you know be so sick that their lungs need the rest and the work of breathing can be done for them. Um, what we've seen with COVID patients is that they deteriorate really quickly. So we've started to intubate them early. Um, like, so for a basis, you know, someone who doesn't ha need any oxygen, that's most of us, right, walking around normally. Um, when a patient starts to get sick, if we give them supplemental oxygen, it's usually one liter, two liters. Um, if they're really sick, they might need five or six. Intubating patients at six liters, which is really not very much in terms of oxygen need, but it's just trying to be preventative in their care. And what's, what's that conversation like with patients, how are you explaining what's happening to people who are sick and who you're caring for? Um, well, in terms of, like, most people know what they're being, you know, most people are trying to stay home. Um, and when they are, if they do come in to the emergency department, they're getting swabbed for the virus, so they already know when they get to me, because, you know, they come in through the emergency department first, that we're treating them for this, whether it's preventatively or, um, you know, like a presumptive positive based on their symptoms. Uh, I think it's really scary for the patients because, A, right now we're not allowing any visitors. And B, we're all geared up in all of this, uh, you know, we're wearing gowns, goggles, hair caps, respirator masks. It's really hard for them to see us um, and hear us because these rooms are really loud now that we've set up this airborne isolation that's kind of makeshift. Like yesterday I got a patient who was um, Spanish speaking only and that's a struggle on a regular day because my Spanish is muy malo, like not very good at all. And uh, so, you know, for us to even just try to communicate with her normally is scary. Um, I don't know, it's a very odd time and I, I feel like patients are generally pretty appreciative of what we're doing and understand that we're trying to do the best we can, but they're also very scared. And what about you? This must be a scary time to be a nurse too. I imagine you're trying to do everything you can to protect your health. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling fine. Yesterday was kind of overwhelming now that we're starting to take ICU patients on my floor. My management is really trying to do their, the best that they can 
basically we're just trying to make more ICU beds than we have. We're we're doing things completely out of our comfort zone, um, and it's like I said, it's overwhelming. Um, I feel like we're as prepared as we can be, but we're we're changing things daily, hourly. I left work so exhausted yesterday um, just because this level of uncertainty I've never had in my nursing career. I've been very fortunate. I've always worked with this health system. We've never had double occupancy rooms. Um, It's just, it is a bit scary, overwhelming, um, but I have a good team and I'm very grateful. I'm in a lot better situation than a lot of nurses right now. I have the PPE that I need and I, I do feel supported by my managers. We have the staff that we need. Are you thinking about the future right now or are you just trying to take it one day at a time? Um, definitely trying to take it one day at a time. It's It's always in the back of your mind like, this is definitely an event that's going to forever change healthcare, and you know it's it's you feel like you're living through this historic moment, and on the on the one hand, it's kind of it's interesting. It's it's interesting and it's a little bit exciting to be in this moment where we're seeing these changes that are going to hopefully lead to some positive changes in our healthcare system, but it's uh, just a lot of uncertainty. Well, Annie, but it's hard. it's hard. You have to try to focus on the present moment because otherwise, and I feel so badly for my coworkers and anyone who lives with anxiety or like any level of OCD in this time. Um, I'm a pretty laid back person. Most nurses are pretty type A. I'm I'm like a type D minus, as my (laughs) friends and family know about me. Um, But it's it's hard. What are you doing to stay positive? You know, what when you're leaving work, is there anything that you're finding that's helpful? Um, (laughs) I don't typically. I've always enjoyed a drink after work with my coworkers. Um, that's not uh, an option right now. Yesterday was the, I'm not one to really drink alone. Yesterday was the first time that I came home and poured myself a drink right away. Um, <laughs> so, but what I'm trying to do when I'm not at the hospital is not focus on what's happening at the hospital and also trying not to read too much of the news it's it's all very disheartening, but I think that the best thing that all of us can be doing right now is focusing on what is good in our own home lives. Um, I spent last week doing a lot of yard work. I'm very grateful to have this nice home that I live in where I can be outside and be safe, you know, from everybody. <laughs> And 
Last question for you. What can folks who aren't medical professionals, who are stuck in their apartments, what can they do to be helpful to people like you? Um, well, I think the most important thing is to keep isolating yourself and try to, that helps us. I mean, I think the reality is at this point, exposure has already been, we're kind of past a level of containment. Um, I think everybody has some level of exposure and now what we're doing is trying to keep, keep people home as much as they can so that people aren't getting sick and having to come in so that our resources aren't strained. Um, so staying home as much as you can. And then I think the other thing that's important is to be grateful for the opportunity to stay home. Um, a lot of people are out of work right now. My boyfriend's job will be coming to an end soon. Um, I think everyone should just be very grateful for whatever opportunity they have. If they're able to work from home and still have a paycheck, that's, um, that's a big deal right now, and I know that it's probably really hard to be stuck in that apartment and not be able to go out and do the things you'd like to do. Um, most of us would like to stay home, so um, I don't know. Just trying to keep each other sane and try to keep a sense of gratitude for the fact that you're stuck at home, but you're safe at home. Well, Annie, we are really grateful for what you're doing. So thank you. And thanks for taking the time to chat this afternoon. And uh, please stay safe. And I'm sure we'll be talking on a family Zoom again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you guys are all doing well. And I'm glad you're finding positive ways to occupy your time. Thank you so much, Annie. Take advantage of the time. Best wishes to you and your colleagues. Thanks, Thank Annie. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Well, I, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, I think it's, um, I just have a ton of respect for what any healthcare professional is doing now, and, um, it's got to be really terrifying to be in that position now, but this is this is what they have to do, and, and people people need their help. And I'll I'll put a shout out for my cousin that I've I have more faith in in her than anyone else to be there for for patients when when they're in need. Yeah, what I can say for you, our listeners, is. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll hopefully have some happy stories to share with you. Whiskey, won't you come and take my trouble? Because I can't seem to do it on my
This has been Corona Pod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Corona Pod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.